0: Hey, welcome to Gospel Community Sermon Podcast. Thanks for listening in. We hope that uh, you enjoy what you hear and that we handle the word faithfully. We'd invite you, if you have any questions or want to attend a service, to visit www.gcctroy.com. There's this thing that happens amongst pilots. Pilots. And I guess they call it spatial disorientation. It doesn't just happen amongst pilots. It happens amongst all kinds of people. But when it happens amongst pilots, it's specifically disorienting. See, what happens is the the auditory, the vestibular, the proprioceptive systems. Obviously, I looked this up on the Internet. They trick your brain. And so what happens is, as you're in the midst of a cloud or, or some type of covering, you are there looking at your instruments, and you don't trust your instruments because your body is telling you something different. And so what happens is they fly through these cloud formations, and they're flying upside down or, or whatever, but that thinking that they're right side up because their body is telling them something different than their instruments are telling them something disorienting that happens to these pilots as they fly through these clouds. They are disoriented, they're kind of confused, and they're sensing something that's different than what their instruments are telling them. And right now, culturally, all our senses are telling us that how we relate to authority doesn't matter. We fly upside down in the cloud of culture, and we don't even know it. All the while, our notions about authority and parenting have become so twisted and distorted. From the days of James Dean and beyond, we have valued the dissident, the renegade. We want our heroes to stand up to the establishment and as they say, to kind of stick it to the man. That's what we value as a culture. And then we come to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And the Lord says to His people, honor your father and mother. It's disorienting disorienting to us isn't it how do we make sense of this commandment and the kind of stand up to the culture stand up to the establishment kind of way that we have about things see here's our big idea from exodus chapter 20 verse 12 how we relate to our parents shows how we relate to all kinds of authority including god how we relate to our mother and father. Becomes indicative of how we relate to other authorities under which we're placed. Including God himself. Now I recognize this morning that all of us are sons or daughters of someone, aren't we? This commandment applies to all of us in some sense, doesn't it? So this morning it speaks to everyone in the room. No matter what the relationship you had with your mom or your dad whether it was good and life-giving or bad and life-taking. We all stand beneath this commandment this morning. We do well to recognize the seriousness of what God has said. So I want to dig in. Our outline this morning is pretty simple, right? We'll go through the first half of the verse. and chapter 20, verse 12, part A, we're going to see the underst- how to understand the command to honor And then the second half of verse in chapter 12 or chapter 20, verse 12, part B, we're going to understand the consequence of our dishonor. It's a pretty straightforward outline here this morning. I think we're pretty familiar with the commandment. We understand the grounds that are being said, but we want to unpack the fullness of what God has for us this morning. So in chapter 20, verse 12, it starts off with these very simple words, right? Honor your father And your mother. Now, let's just talk about what it is to honor. Actually, that word is the word kabed. It's the word from which we uh, also translate uh, the word uh, glory in the Old Testament. It actually means weight or weightiness. To state it plainly, our parents are to have significance in our mind and heart, they are to be weighty in our estimation and consideration. Proverbs kind of fills out the concept for us nicely. In Proverbs chapter 1, uh, the, the author says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 15, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul picks up this commandment given in in the fifth commandment here in Exodus 20, and he kind of unpacks it. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. You can see the direct quotation from our passage there in verse 2 and how it's synonymous with what he says in verse 1. To obey is to honor. To honor is to obey. A child, then, who shows Honor through obedience is honoring the Lord. Honoring His parents. A child who has disobeyed and wants to come near and tell his mother or his father of his emotional attachment should be corrected. Should show our love and respect and obedience. It's funny, my wife works in schools. And she was describing to me early on in this process that uh, she would use the word obey, and some kids would look back at her like she was speaking a foreign language. They just didn't even know what the word obey meant. But who? Who are we talking about? Who is to be honorable? The verse is very clear. We're supposed to honor our father and our mother. Notice God is not content for one singular parent to be receiving Honor. So the application here this morning, kids, it is your responsibility to honor your father and your mother. It's not okay for you to be dishonoring to your mother and honoring to your father or vice versa. Dads, it's not okay to tolerate disrespect toward your wife. Wives, it is not okay for you to tolerate disrespect toward your husband. This honoring is to be unilateral. Both parents are to be Honored. But I don't think it just stops there. I think if we're honest, we can extend this out to grandparents. In fact, uh, culturally, we knew in this day that when they referred to fathers, they would talk about not just their generational father, but the fathers before them. Uh, We see evidence of this in places like Genesis when Jacob refers to Abraham and Isaac as his fathers. There's other authorities that we're supposed to live in submission to. There's government authorities, there's church authorities, there's workplace authorities, and all of these are appropriate spaces for us to live in submission. So while we are to honor fathers and mothers, we might see an appropriate application to all kinds of authorities, where we deal with all of those that God has placed above us with an intentional respect. This isn't to say there's not a time where we disobey. There's the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 2 and 3 kind of interactions where someone calls us to disobey the Lord, and we, in kind of a a qualified disobedience, uh, stand up for our convictions. But even amidst our intentional disobedience, there should be a, a fundamental respect for authorities. I just want to zoom out for a second because we just told you that we live in this kind of place where we should respect all sorts of authorities above us. The the fifth commandment is unique amongst the ten. We'll kind of pull up a slide. This is the fifth commandment, right? And the first four commandments have shown us how to live toward God, right? God doesn't want us to have other gods in verse 3. He doesn't want us to worship graven images in verses 4 through 6. He doesn't want us to take his name in vain in verse 7. He wants us to keep the Sabbath day in verses 8 through 11. When we kind of fast forward to commandments 6 through 10, we would see that we're not supposed to murder one another in verse 13. Go figure. No murdering. That's against the law, right? We aren't to commit adultery with one another, verse 14. We aren't to steal from one another, verse 15. We aren't to lie about one another or to one another, In verse 16, and we aren't to covet other people or their stuff, in verse 17. But here at the center of this is this statement about how the home should function. In the middle, there's this hinge point where we discuss a father and mother and the respect that's due them. In between our life with God and our life with others is this formative institution called the home. It's to be a normative place where authority is to be established. And as we are raised in our parents' home, we figure out, rightly or wrongly, how to live in a world where we aren't in charge. Parental authority exists by God's design between His authority and our relationship to society. Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter 6, and he says this. He says, children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord. It's a pretty important phrase right there, isn't it? There's an exception to our honoring. When those authorities ask us to do what is blatantly against the Lord's stated will, we are right to disobey. Some of you know exactly what I'm speaking about. I'm going to slow down here for a second because some of us, statistically speaking, in this room, this size, we've dealt with abuse, physical, sexual, emotional. Honoring mom or dad feels a million miles from you. First, let me say I'm sorry that you've experienced that. We want to weep with those who weep, like Romans tells us to, We weep with you as you've had that experience. But secondly, let me encourage you, what if there is still an appropriate way to honor those who have mistreated us, whether they be parents, governing authorities, bosses, church leaders? What if there's a way that we can disagree with their actions, but still have a heart of Honoring and obedience, or honoring and respect. See, on the whole, our posture of honoring should lead us to obedience, right? Just an example, when we speak to others about maybe we had an adulterous dad or an unruly mom, we can still speak with the utmost respect and integrity. But when our adulterous dad or unruly mom asks us to lie on behalf of them, that's where we say that can't happen. Another example, perhaps mom or dad have been abusive. Certainly, let's, let's just say that's this, this honoring to the Lord. But it's okay for us to, uh, I just want to say this, it's okay for us to report those to the authorities. When abuse happens, we should tell the, those that God has placed in authority. And I don't want you to hear me to say otherwise, that honoring our father and mother not, means not telling on them, for lack of a better way of saying it. See, sometimes there are specific scenarios when obedience is not right. But those are few and far between. See, our posture this morning should be to honor our father and mother, to obey our parents in the Lord, like Ephesians 6 calls us to. See, it's here that we recognize that the plane is firmly upside down, isn't it? The plane is in the clouds, and at times when the instruments say we're fine, our senses say we're not. Sometimes the Word of God tells us to honor, but everything inside of us says to dishonor, to lash out, to diminish, to demonize, to insults. We recognize that the problem oftentimes is a difficulty in our own hearts. Yes, there are bad circumstances that have happened to us in the midst of our relationship with our earthly parents, But we have to navigate those things in faith. And sometimes our sinful heart responds to sinful situations with sinfulness. On the whole, we resist authority because we view ourselves as authoritative. Let me say that again. We resist authority because we view ourselves as authoritative. You go back to Genesis chapter three, when Satan tempts Adam and Eve, he tempts them with knowledge that could lead to authority. This is what he says in chapter three, verse five, for God knows that when you eat of this fruit, uh, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The temptation was to know like God and to be like God. It's a massive temptation that still exists exists in our own human hearts today. It says, I know better than the person who exists in Congress. I know better than my pastor. I know better than my teacher. I know better than my parents. And these are all echoes of Satan's words in Genesis 3. You will know. I like some quotes from Mark Twain. And he says this, he says, when I was a boy of 14, My father was so ignorant, ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. See, the Bible has a specific warning for us that we would be wise in our own eyes. Proverbs say this, they say, "The, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. See, the bottom line is this. We are tempted to dishonor because we're convinced that we know better. We just consider the arrogance of that statement. We dishonor our parents when we have placed another God before Yahweh, namely ourselves. We become The judges of right and wrong. We become the assessors of righteousness and unrighteousness. We have to slow down. We have to weigh our own hearts. We have to stop and see how am I relating to this authority? Now, notice that this passage lists a particular consequence for us in the second half. If we don't investigate this, we might miss some of the meaning that's placed in front of us. Uh, the author, uh, Moses, is recording the words of God for us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And it goes on to say this it says, uh, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There's a particular outcome that is held out for israel that if they are to continue in this way they will live long in the land now let's ask some obvious questions right what is the land what are we talking about see land is a pretty important thing in these books of genesis and exodus god had promised abraham land in genesis 12 After God had promised to bless Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he took Abraham out to this piece of land, and he has them look around, and he says, hey, to your offspring, I will give this land, in Genesis 12, verse 7. What happens then is a famine comes and strikes, and uh, Abraham and Sarai go down to Egypt, and they get away from the famine, and when they come back, Uh, Abraham separates from Lot, and again, God calls him in Genesis 13 to lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. So this land then is a big deal to these Israelites, right? It's that promise that's been passed down generation after generation for 400 years of slavery. It's that thing that got them through the difficulties of what they were facing. To be dispossessed of the land, as this verse is talking about, would have been absolutely crushing. And yet, Deuteronomy predicts that very thing. There's some verses on the slide. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, "...you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess." and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring a land flowing with milk and honey. See, by Israel's adherence to these commands, including this fifth commandment, they were to keep possession of the land. But the story goes on in First and Second Kings, and it tells how Israel is dispossessed of the land. Now, just hang with me here. I know I'm nerding out, but just hang with me, right? First Kings 11, Solomon starts marrying these foreign women. And he starts attributing worship to their gods. He starts bringing in household idols into his home and worshiping them. But throughout the remainder of the books, the phrase is used throughout First and Second Kings when it attributes righteousness or unrighteousness to a king. Uh, that it, the author says this, that so-and-so did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father. First Kings 15. 16, 22, and so on. See, First and Second Kings makes this explicit connection between idolatry and parenting. And so this first commandment that God told us not to break, that we would worship no other gods before Him, is directly tied to how we parent our children. So God is making this connection to say Solomon worshipped, and therefore his sons walked in his ways. Time. In time again, Ezekiel gives us the reason for Israel's displacement here in Ezekiel chapter 22. Father and mother are treated with contempt in verse 7, verse 15. I will scatter you among the nations and disperse you through the countries. In God's eyes then, dishonor to parents was not a small thing. It was cause for disciplining of his people. God was going to chastise Israel. Israel's disobedience to their parents was indicative of a larger problem. Dismissal and disrespect toward God Himself. When we dishonor our parents, we dishonor our God. We just might fast forward through this commandment and miss the spot of grace that's existing here. That this land was a gift from God. He says it there, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That is to say that this gift is coming. It's interesting that the promise of the land hasn't been mentioned so far in Exodus, but here God reiterates his promise from Genesis to Abraham. And this particular grace which God had promised to Abraham was reiterated here to Abraham's descendants over 400 years later. This grace was going to happen. They couldn't negate it. They couldn't step away from it. In fact, it's even restated in Ephesians chapter 6. This is a promise for you and I as inheritors of God's grace and kindness to His people. So the understanding of this commandment is like this. God is calling Israel to honor their parents because parents were a means to passing on the promise from God. To honor your mom and dad was to hear the promise of God. To hear the promise of God was to possess the land. But to dishonor mother and father was not to carry on in the land either by death or by dispossession. This morning, you know, all of us have this anti-authoritarian history. God's grace covers our anti-authoritarian history. Our 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 kind of works that have spoken against us. If we just stop and take a moment to consider the life of Jesus, Jesus was one who lived in constant honoring of his father. Jesus exhibited a perfect obedience to his earthly parents. Do you remember this story that happens in Luke chapter two, where Joseph and, and Mary and Jesus and all the family traveled to Jerusalem for a, a religious holiday, and as they're leaving, they forget Jesus. <laughs> kind of a big deal, right? I take great heart as a parent in the fact that Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus at the temple, right? And when they finally they travel a full day, And then come back and find Jesus in the temple. And and Mary kind of says this. You've done this too if you're a parent. You speak out of your frustration. You're not thinking clearly. And just notice what Mary says. Son, why have you treated us so? All of the anger and resentment that's there, all of the embarrassment that's recognized in that statement from Mary to Jesus, who's, by the way, perfect and flawless, right? Jesus, the Son of God, looks back at her with all of heaven's gentleness and respect. And he looks her in the eyes and says with complete sincerity, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? See, our Savior was one who, who when, when he was falsely accused by his own mother, did not bite back in kind. He chose honor rather than dishonor. You know, it's funny, if we fast forward all the way to the moment of Jesus' death on the cross, there's this scene at the end of John, in John chapter 19, where Jesus entrusts the care of his own mother to his beloved disciple, John. Even there, he's honoring his mother at the cross. See, Jesus was the one who stood up to countless religious authorities. He turned over tables in the temple. He he confronted these religious rulers, but he never spoke a dishonoring word to his mother our father. Jesus had every right to be self-righteous, but was never dismissive, never disrespectful, never devaluing, never dishonoring to his earthly parents. But it's not just his earthly parents that he lived in submission to. Jesus exhibited perfect obedience to his heavenly father. Jesus always thought of his father. When his spirit was distraught within him, he prayed. And in John chapter 12, he says, Father, glorify your name. Jesus, knowing he's about to go to his death. Jesus, knowing that he's about to be betrayed in the next chapter. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. In all things, Jesus sought his father's glory and he prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17 that god would had glorified he had glorified god's name on the earth that he had done the task with that his father had sent him to do even to the point of his own death see we see that whatever jesus was he was a submissive son honoring to his earthly father and mother glorifying to his fe- heavenly father perfectly righteous See, when Jesus flew through the cloud of our anti-authoritarian world, he kept the plane right side up. Jesus then has passed on this privilege to us. Jesus has made us children of God. We talk about honoring our father and mother. We recognize that We have been brought into a household that we were foreign to. John shows us this kind of theology of sonship that he develops in his gospel. He starts off in John chapter 1, and he says, But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. When John chapter 8 comes along he's having this argument with the Pharisees he's trying to draw attention to what exactly is wrong with them and with him and their relationship with one another and in chapter 8 verse 44 he says to them you are of your father the devil and you do your and your will is to do your father's desires So we have a problem right you and I naturally in our rebellion against God Do the bidding of our Father. Finally, the gospel concludes with this way. When Jesus is resurrected to new life, he looks at Mary and he says, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. To my God and to your God. Do you see the trajectory of what happens? In John chapter 1, it's if you believe in Jesus you will become children of God. John chapter 8, it's, but all of us are children of our father Satan. That's why we reject Jesus. But in John chapter 20, he says to those believing, he says, This is my father and your father. Now you can pray with confident access, like he tells us to pray, Our father who art in heaven. We have Access before God's throne. How did we get granted that access? By belief on Jesus. God has become our Father. Even though we were alienated from them, even though we were wise in our own eyes, even when we had disobeyed his first authority that he had placed us under, God has applied the faultless obedience of his son to our account so that you and I are no longer cut off from the land which God had promised his people. By the blood of Jesus, we share share in his inheritance forever. It's the good news this morning. Christian, if you're in Christ, you are a son, daughter of God. The implication of that this morning is that you can walk in patterns of obedience, of honoring your parents. God has given you everything you need to fulfill this command that He stated to us. See what that means for us today is this, all children, which by the way, we've established that's every one of us in this room, need to honor their parents. I have a few principles that I think will help us in this. One, first, be quick to listen, slow to speak. We want to honor our father and mother. It's good to be quick to listen, and slow to speak we want to listen well don't we we want to hear what our parents say to us no matter what our history is with them we we owe them the due honor of actually listening to their words we want to take these words from james seriously that he calls us to to listen quickly and to speak after consideration so we want to listen well don't we We want to speak after consideration. We want to speak slowly or softly. We don't want to say too much. You know, all of us, uh, many of us here have these difficult relationships with one or more of our parents. And my encouragement is to try to make sure your knowledge of your parents' shortcomings uh, comes to the right audiences at the right time. We have a long list of the infractions that may have been done against us. We want to make sure that we air those frustrations in the right way, in the right place, at the right time. We don't want to speak that to the wrong audience. That's the very essence of dishonor and disrespect. I've heard the analogy used before that there's two ways to use something sharp. You can use it to cut someone up for murderous purposes, or you can use it like a surgeon uses a scalpel to bring repair and restoration. We want to be those who use our words to bring repair and restoration to our relationship with our parents as much as is possible with us. We want to live at peace with all men, and so we want to be slow to speak. We also want to be careful not to say too little. And here's what I mean by that. It's good for us to speak encouraging words to our parents from time to time, to thank them, to speak highly of them around others, to focus on the good that they've brought to us. Some of us have lived in a place where we have benefited from righteous, holy parents. And we need to stand up and thank God for that. Some of us, it's a mixed bag. Sometimes they they did good and sometimes they did poorly. And we can focus on the good things that God has brought to us through the faithfulness of our own parents. I would count myself in that category who's one who benefited from a mother and father that wanted to see their kids walk in righteousness. So we don't say too much. We don't say too little. Second encouragement is this. Honor your parents with more than words. Right now, you got that extreme song playing in your head, More Than Words, right? Some of us are going to take care of aging parents. Some of us are going to bring our our 70, 80-year-old parents into our home. We're going to change their diapers. We're going to feed them every day. We're going to go and visit them in the nursing homes. This is a way of honoring your father and mother. Not let it just be a, a world of words. Let's let our actions show our care and our respect for our parents. Some of us in our preteen or teenage years need to learn how to honor our parents with obedience. We honor with more than words. What we need to do is actually obey. Don't be fooled. If you're here, you're young, you're under the age of 20. Don't be fooled that a little disobedience right now will grow into a great oak of disobedience later on. Don't fool yourself that this is a little sin for a little season. When we purposefully deceive our parents, when we purposefully disobey our parents, we are laying the groundwork for a life of disobedience. A word of warning. Finally, honor is for young and old. You never outgrow honoring your parents, do you? You know, there's this uh, thing that Ted Tripp has in one of his books called Shepherding a Child's Heart. It's a great book. But he says, you know, we have these two tools. We have discipline and instruction. And when your kids are young, it's high discipline, Right? When they get to that age where they're, they can think through things and they're making choices of obedience or disobedience, you're doing discipline all the time. Whatever your discipline looks like, but your instruction is low. But as your kids grow, it kind of crosses paths so that your 20-year-old child is no longer being disciplined by you, but there might be a high phase of instruction. Does that make any sense? So We always live in some regard with our parents. I still ask my dad's advice on things. We always live in some state of honoring to our parents. They might not have uh, the right to discipline us any longer. They might not feel comfortable in that regard, but they have been down the road before us, whether they walk with the Lord or not. There are some things that they might know better about than we do, even if it's how to start the lawnmower in the backyard. honor is for young and for old, and we always live in this state of seeking to honor our parents and honor to our God. So Here's the upshot here this morning. You and I have been brought into the world in a system that exists where we are attributed parents. Some of us might never have met our biological parents. Some of us have uh, lost a parent in various circumstances and places, but we always are called to honor them no matter how we relate to them today in 2023. But God's goodness in Christ has given us a perfect heavenly father, restored relationship with him through his son, Jesus so that now we can honor our earthly fathers and mothers. If you set out to do it now on your own in the reliance upon your flesh, if you just say, I'm going to muscle this out, I'm going to kind of strong arm my obedience, my honoring to my parents, I guarantee you're going to get 24, 48 hours, 72 hours down the line, and you'll fail in some capacity in some way. My encouragement to us this morning is to recognize our restored relationship with our true heavenly father so that we can exist with our earthly fathers and mothers in the right paradigm. I want to pray to that end. I want to pray that God brings about a culture of honoring here. We have so many young kids running; It's like Lord of the Flies up in this place, man. I want to pray that God brings about a culture where we pass on our faith to our children, where we sow seeds of righteousness that will be reaped for generations to come, where we don't pass on the idolatries that just plague our souls, where we instill in them a love for Jesus and a trust in God. I pray to that end. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray now would help us to be honorable parents. Help us to be men and women that are easy to submit to. Lord, allow us reflection upon Your grace and Your mercy that would equip us as parents to walk with You and to encourage our children to walk with You. We recognize this very morning, we recognize that our insolent words against our own parents is not just rebellion against them. It is rebellion against you, and we need grace and mercy from you so that we might walk in a different pattern. Help us to be those who walk with you and teach our children to walk with you in a way that pleases and honors you. pray this in Jesus' name.